Welcome to the Talk and Chatter Experience, uh, powered by Gasoline Alley Harley Davison. Today's guest, we've got Andrew Wells uh, from Grown Surfboards, custom surfboard shaper, Land Rover enthusiast, and just all round adventure. Good guy. Um, yeah, mate. Sit back, relax, enjoy. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, we're here in uh, northern New South Wales. Yep. Where, where actually, where are we? Where, where are we based? Uh, at the moment, we're in um, the Adventure Garage uh, workshop, which is in Ballina. Um, so, I've probably been in here for oh, just under a year now, I think. Um, yeah, so I've got a shaping base set up at home in Lennox Head and um, needed a bit of space for some Land Rover collections workshop area. So uh, we've set up the Adventure Garage in Ballina. Yeah, awesome. And this is my uh, second or third time here. Uh, what what really got you into, into Rovers to start with? Um, I'm not too sure. It, initially, um, well, I, I think I've put it back to... Uh, I grew up down in Geelong in Victoria. Um, my nan had a farm, so as a kid we always were hanging around out on the farm and she always had a heap of old cars. We'd go out feeding feeding the cows out of the back of the, hanging out of the back of the cars and essentially, you know, at eight, nine, ten years old we were all sort of driving the cars at some point through the paddock. Um, turns out it was an old Rover. Um, but I really got into them. Um, I bought my first one uh, probably about five years ago now, um, and it was a it was a later model. It was a 2008 Defender. Um, it's sitting just over here, getting a little bit of a rebirth at the moment. Um, and from there, it's just kind of grown. It's it's sort of it was just that appeal, that character that Land Rovers have, and they haven't really changed that much over the years. Um, I don't know. There's there's just something about them. I think uh, enthusiasts just you know Land Rovers dig their claws into you, and um, and once they have you, you're gone. Yeah, it's a pretty funny thing, and I think we we're connected through like a huge network of different people now. Yep. But uh, when we first met through obviously Instagram, but it was like uh, I don't know. It was like a Tinder app. It was like, this guy likes surfboards, motorcycles, and Land Rovers. <laughs> like, it was like, mate, this is the perfect recipe. This is the coolest dude ever. And uh, now now uh, we went away to an event last yeah, last year, the events and that. And uh, now we get to know you more and more. And we've worked together on a few different projects and stuff. And yeah, your, your love for, for Rovers is... It's an, I don't know if it's love or addictive addiction. Uh, if you ask my wife, it's addiction. Yeah, like right. it, it's full. Uh, even I'll admit it's, it's full-blown addiction. Yeah. I just can't. I can't go past them. Um, if there's one for sale, it, I find it very hard not to uh, <laughs> not to start negotiating on it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I actually don't know what it is. It's they're not the world's most reliable car. They're um, they're very capable. They always need a lot of work. Um, so I think at the moment I've got uh, I think I've got about eight um, sitting in in various places tucked away and it's sort of every time I want to go and drive one it, it, I've got to do something to it to get it going so the plan is to eventually work through all of them have them so that they uh, they're a little more reliable and, and had all the bits and pieces fixed on them um, but yeah they're just they're just good fun like when you're driving one it's it, not, it, it's I don't know it's a, a bit of a feeling you get like I, I just love it it's you've actually got to sit there and drive the thing that's it's not comfortable it's not um you know, 
you can't really have a conversation in the car with someone <laughs> someone next to you, but that, that's part of the charm of it all. So they're not secure. No, <laughs> <laughs> not at all secure. You know, you can um, you can you can break into them fairly easily. Uh, half of them don't even don't even have locks on the doors. So um, yeah, but look, we, we took. Uh, when I bought my first one, we then um, did a road trip down to Tassie with the family. So we towed a, a camper trailer, um, drove from Lennox um, all the way down the east coast, um, chucked it on the ferry and then did the full lap around Tassie. And like as a family, we, we just had an absolute ball. And, and, you know, I think part of the charm was we were doing it in a, in a landy. And you drive in a landy and everywhere you go, it catches people's attention and they, you know, you end up finding Land, Land Rover enthusiasts sort of come out of the woodwork and all of a sudden want to come and have a chat and, and um, you, you know, they, they, it's just good fun, yeah, I think. They have, they've got character, haven't they? They've got like a certain character. It, that's it. It's, it's just a little bit of character. And, and, and you know, you, you drive it down the street and it turns heads and like, you know, not that I ever thought that I'd enjoy it, but you drive down the street and people, you see all the guys just start turning around and, oh. You know that looks pretty cool, and and I find I I do it myself. I can't if I see a Land Rover, I pretty much stop down tools and and just watch it go past me. It's just a, admire it. Just admire it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a, it's a very strange thing, and I I, I think Land Cruisers are starting to get in the same same sort of um, world. Of that. Yeah, yeah. Like they sold millions of them, but they're getting this sort of obscurity sort of thing going where people are just loving them. Loving and them and, and, yeah, they're sort of getting that, that cult following yeah. come back kind of thing. It's, um, it, it's, it's a bizarre thing, but um, for me it just kind of feels, feels normal and it's, it's, um, my wife thinks it's not quite so normal. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's one of my obsessions. You've got to have them. What about, <laughs> uh, how, how, did you, uh, like, how do you procure your, like, how do you get your Land Rovers? Like, where? You've got a few stories on a few of them, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So um, I bought my first one, um, you know, just just stock standard. Um, wanted to get one, so then hunted it down. Um, you know, just bought it through a through a car dealer. Um, I've got two of the army trucks, so two Parentis. Um, I was allowed to buy one, and it was going at auction um, online on on Grays Online at the time, and. Um, you know, with online auctions, I had a couple of bids going on different cars, um, and then right towards the, the the last couple of minutes, where it all starts to get um, starts to get pretty serious, and I was winning one bid, and then I got a notification popped up said, "Oh, you've lost," and I thought it I thought I'd lost on the one I was winning on, and then so I put a couple of bids on others, and uh, as it turned out, I I won two in the auction, <laughs> and then had to go home and um, and explain myself that. Uh, Instead of buying one Parenti, I just bought two, and um, and so I managed to get away with that. Um, uh, I was allowed back in the house after a couple of days, um, and then uh, I've bought a couple um, through friends, and then now it's pretty much if people find a Land Rover, I get a phone call, and um, and they're like, "Oh, I've been out at you know a farm out the back here, and um, there's a Landy in the shed if you want it." I can't say no. So, um, <laughs> so that's when we get to having a shed. Yeah, for Land Rovers. Ex- exactly. That's yeah. uh, I, th- I think the the breaking point was when I had six sort of parked on my front lawn in in um, in Lennox. Um, it wasn't a great look. No. Um, <laughs> so six cars sitting there rusting away. It uh, 
uh, I got the okay to get a shed after that. Yeah, so. that's yeah, that's probably a fair call. And you, <laughs> you talk about um, we'll come back to rovers, but you've, you've got a little shaping bay at home. Yeah, it's not a it's it's a pretty legit shaping bay, isn't it? <laughs> it yeah, it is. It's um, I've probably been shaping boards now for. I think I started before I had my son, so it's got to be sort of 13 or 14 years now. Um, and, yeah, we, we built in Lennox about – built a house about eight years ago now. And oh, So you built that place? Yeah. Wow. yeah. So we'd been – we'd moved up in – we've been living in Lennox for uh, probably 11 years now, I think, and um, found a block of land and, and um, designed and built our house. And one of the key features with it was – it had to have a shaping bay. So, um, again, thankfully, my wife isn't great at reading plans, so she didn't really understand how big the shaping bay and, and the shed area was. So I managed to sneak that through until um, until we started building, and then she uh, she worked out the how big it actually was. But again, it's it's keeps me keeps me occupied, and it'll you know it, it's great just to have that that bay in that area at home that you can. You know, I can be sitting there, um, you know, have dinner and then sneak up into the shed when everyone's gone to bed and, and shape boards for a couple of hours at night. And to put it in context for people that are listening, like you, did you ever do, like you do timber, you do amazing timber boards. Yeah. Um, hollow, did you ever do fiberglass? Uh, I started out, yeah, so I do hollow timber surfboards mainly. Um, no, I, I started out in, in timber boards, which is um, probably not the easiest way to, to start learning how to shape boards. Um, so the timber boards, you sort of have to build an, an internal frame and uh, it's kind of like an aeroplane wing. Um, you put timber skins around the outside. So you, you can't really... It's not until the very last process that you, you kind of work out if you've got the shape right um, because you're kind of constructing from the inside out. Um, but yeah, look, I, I didn't know any different. Um, I essentially taught myself how to shape and how to build the timber boards. Um, you know, tried to research as much as I could on the internet, um, and sort of pieced it together as I went. Um, and it was only, uh, it was only a few years ago I started shaping foam boards, um, and, and standard fiberglass boards, just, um, more as a quicker way of prototyping. Um, mm. you know, boards and designs or ideas and, I don't know, a, a timber surfboard will take me 20 hours to build it to get it ready for, for fibreglassing. Um, a foam board's a couple of hours, so uh, much, much quicker. Not not quite as enjoyable as the, as the timber process. I, I guess I, um, I've always enjoyed woodworking, so um, making them out of timber was, was kind of that... It just kind of felt natural for me to, to try timber as a... Um, as a starting point and like your your craftsmanship's state of the art like you, you yeah. s- how many thank you how many boards have you reckon you've sold that hit the water and how many are art pieces uh, or, or wall pieces yeah, let's not yeah. say art or how are we going to de- yeah, determine it look at when i started out um i guess the intention was that i, I thought um you know these timber boards are, would be great and and you know i was trying to um pitch them two people to surf and ride but um yeah what i found is that people have bought them and then don't actually want to put wax on them and and um it's turned out that i'd say 
I'd reckon at least sort of 50, 60% of them have, have just ended up as, as yep, uh, have just ended up on, on walls as art pieces or, um, yeah, I've had phone calls from guys going, oh, yeah, look, I've bought it, but I just can't wax it. So we've just mounted it in the um, in the lounge room. And it's like, well, you know, it's you can do it. I, I feel pretty privileged to have, yeah. you know, one of my boards mounted in, in, you know, just the fact that people want to put something that I've made, you know, up in their lounge room and look at it. It's, um, I guess I still, I guess um, I don't see... When I shape a timber board, I, I kind of see the imperfection in it rather than the, than the overall mm. bits and pieces. So for me, I I always end up making something and then just going, well, oh, there's you know there's a few little bits in there, so I wouldn't want to put it on my wall because that's all I'd look at. Um, in fact, I only put my first board on the wall at home uh, probably about six months ago. Really? It's, it was the first one I've, I've displayed in a house um, ever. Most of them had sort of tucked away in the shed in the... And was this one that, like, was a recent build, or was it a first one? Or? No, it was. It was probably. Uh, um, it, it had been around for a few years. Um, I'd, I'd surfed it a, a whole heap of times, and the benefit of them being timber boards is that they're really durable. So you can, you can surf them. They can take a bit of a hiding, and then you just clean them up, and they still look pretty good and brand new. So. Um, yeah, it was one that I'd surfed a fair bit and then sort of tucked it away in the corner of the shed. And, um, yeah, um, we were looking for something to put on the wall and, and dug that one out. And, it, yeah, we sort of thought, oh, well, we'll, we'll give it a go. And, it, it's you know, now it's up there. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty proud of having it sort of sit there. And, and um, yeah, yeah, it's just one of those things, I it's, guess. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy, actually, like after all these years of doing it. Yeah, uh, how do how do they surf compared to a um, to a fiberglass? Look, they they surf they they do surf a lot differently um, because they're hollow. Um, you, they sort of have a fair bit of buoyancy to them, um, but then because they're timber, they kind of have a fair bit of weight. So it's that you know even though timber's kind of heavy on the ground once it's in the water, it, it behaves differently because it's got that um, I guess that inherent buoyancy to it. Um, then you couple that with the fact that you've got, um, you know, essentially it's a it's an air chamber sitting in there. Um, so yeah, when you surf them, they they have that little bit of extra weight to them, which tends to give them a lot more momentum. Um, so you sort of change your surfing style a little bit, but they're they're really good fun. They'll um, you can pick up waves fairly early and, and easily and then once you start surfing and, and riding with it, you're riding with a lot more momentum. So it's a lot, um, I guess you sort of describe it as a little bit more um, fluid and, and drawn out turns and, and, um, and surfing rather than, you know, it's hard to surf them aggressively and, and you know, whip them around and, and hit the lip. And so as I shaped more and more boards and surfed them more often it started to tailor the shape of boards that I started to make and enjoyed riding purely because it was you know it's um there's no point shaping a, a timber thruster because it's just not going to surf like you want a thruster to surf so um it tends to be your more traditional shapes that, that work well in timber so um single fins and long boards and um timber fish work work really well twin fins um, so yeah, I just sort of started playing around with those shapes and, and surfing them and, and yeah, it, it's actually really enjoyable to, to ride and to surf with that sort of momentum and that, that flow that you get from it, I guess. Um, 
yeah, once once you start and once you get your head around it, it's 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 really quite enjoyable. And have you seen in in the years that you've done it that there's like a um, not a trend, but there's more timber boards now getting around, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, I guess when I first started making them, there there wasn't a huge amount. There was um, uh, like a couple of guys in the states that that were doing them. You know, apart from your your old traditional balsa boards yep. um, that were made, um, and then probably probably about you know halfway through um, my time making them. Um, yeah, Firewire sort of came. Um, they were developing their technology and and their foam cores and timber skins and um, I think it was you know there was a, there was a movement of the the hollow timber boards. Um, there's a guy on the Gold Coast, um, Grant Newby, um, that used to organise the uh, hollow timber board builders day at Corumban. Um, he still still runs it sort of as a an annual event, um, and you'd go to there and there'd be you know, the first couple, there was a handful of guys there and then, you know, each year it would progress and grow grow a lot more. Um, and then, yeah, Firewire started to come out with their timber tech boards. Um, I don't know how long ago that was, but sort of from that, I think that was a, a big change that um, it, it, timber became sort of more acceptable um, in the, I guess, more acceptable, more commonly seen, I guess, in... Um, in boards again, um, mm. which was good. It sort of helped help um, renew interest in in timber boards. So, how many like how many boards could like have you done a year? Like, what, what's a what's a rough number? Could you, could uh, you put a number? look the? I don't actually know the. It's, it's always sort of been hard because um, I've sort of worked full time and done boards and and everything um, has sort of been. I guess uh, out of hours or at night, weekends and and um, and that. But there's a fair bit of time time in the process. Um, but a lot of the time is is prepping the timber, you know, milling it, machining it, gluing it up, and then you've got to let the glue cure for you know 12 hours. So that's why working at night kind of works well because I can get everything prepped, glue it up, let it cure overnight, and then you come back the next day and you you're right to go again. Um, yeah, look for, for a little while there, um, I was going, I was going fairly solid, um, and I was shaping. I think the most boards I shaped in a year was probably only about twenty boards, but I was also making um, timber skateboards and timber hand planes, um, things like that. So, um, yeah, at that point, I think I shaped like might have been twenty timber boards. I think I did five hundred hand planes in twelve months, which Damn. was um they're time consuming as well. Um but it was just there was that surge in popularity with the with the hand planes and um and yeah, so I just went full swing into it and, and just churned out um lots and lots of them and and then got sick of it after a little while and, and sort of yeah, it just just scaled it back a little bit to um to something that's a little bit more sustainable and enjoyable because it, it just started to become um, kind of like production, yep. um, a production line, which... Just a job, like a job. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's sort of not the reason that I started making timber boards. It was it was more for the, um, I guess, the enjoyment and the, the, the um, 
just working with your hands. I, I think that's um, that's one of the key things I love doing. Is is um, I find it to be fairly meditative to to just be doing something. Um, you know, as soon as I'm as soon as I'm doing something tactile with my hands, I can just switch off and you know and just focus and concentrate. I guess is is what I found. And shaping, sitting in a shaping bay, whether it's a foam board or a timber board, it's just that sort of great switch the mind off relax and and just um chill out for a little while and how did like the craftsmanship come like did were you always or was it family or how that start um I, I don't know like it's um growing up uh didn't really do a huge amount of woodworking or anything as such um you know just helped out with some renovations around the house building timber decks or or things like that um it's just i have a i wouldn't say obsessive um personality but it's it's a detective yeah <laughs> <laughs> eight land rovers uh, yeah yeah it's um i guess once i once i get something um my wife tells me i'm a i'm a perfectionist so yep. um once i get something in my head i can't stop thinking about it until i've done it perfectly in my mind or, or um, like that. So, uh, yeah, I hadn't really done a huge amount of, um, I guess, fine woodworking, um, you'd call it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just sort of taught myself um, as I went. I always sit here and think um, if I had a little bit more time, I'd love to actually go and do, you know, a, a woodworking course or a furniture making course or something like that just to, I think the way that I do it is still pretty coarse and, and rugged but um i'm sure there's a lot of refinement i can put into it but um yeah look i've I've managed to to learn over time from from friends and and people who who have helped me along the way um just to to refine my skills a little bit here and there and balance out being a dad having a land rover business (laughs) shaping boards a full-time job wanting to surf and ride motorcycles Yeah, yeah yeah it's um I have a very understanding wife and family, um, but yeah, I, I do find um, I don't quite have enough hours in my day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's that's a thing. I kind of go in. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things. It's I kind of just want to do everything all all at the same time, and and it's um, yeah, it's it's if I if I'm doing it, I want to be able to do it well, and and so you know sink a fair bit of time and focus and energy into it um it's just it starts getting hard to split it across so many things but um so far it's it's, it's life, s- eh? sort of working yeah <laughs> and then and then um yeah, late last year early this year you added boxing to your bag of tricks <laughs> what, what happened where, where does this come from uh, again it was just one of those things um I, I guess I, I tend to get ideas in my head and, um, you know, I don't think about it for too long, but it seems like a good idea at the time. And then I just, um, you know, head off down that path. Uh, and yeah, boxing, boxing sort of came up as, as one of them. It was, I, I grew up sort of playing AFL footy down in Victoria. Um, you know, as I got older and took my footy more seriously, um, you know, just started training a lot harder and boxing became one of those, um, sports it's it's just a great physical workout and um you know playing footy at the time it was just great for a for a fitness thing and then um 
yeah, just recently I sort of was looking for something to to get the. Um, I wasn't haven't been riding the motorbike a, a huge amount. Um, I, I don't know why. Actually, it's just sort of just things haven't things hadn't aligned much to get out riding, and um, and it was sort of hot. And it was a really hot, dry, dusty summer, so the trails weren't weren't great to ride. Um, so I was looking for something and just thought, oh, well, I'll get back into boxing just to get the fitness fitness levels back up. And um, I tend to have a little bit of a competitive edge um, or a competitive streak in me, I suppose. So once I started training, then you know started sparring a little bit, and then um, and then yeah, there was an offer to have a have an amateur bout, um, which I was pretty keen on. And and in the <laughs> end, it, it, it ended up I, I uh, it all fell over in the end, but. Um, think that might have been a blessing because whilst I enjoy doing it I've realized I'm not actually very good so (laughs) I think I think I might have saved myself a little bit there so do you think do you think you'll get back out like you're still going to go back to the training part though aren't you yeah yeah I actually um uh with COVID I um obviously haven't been able to train much but uh went back did my first training session again one-on-one on on, uh, Friday last week and I've only just been able to move my arms again today. So, <laughs> and what are we up to? Thursday, yeah, six Man. days it took me. I was uh, I was in a world of hurt. Um, trained again this morning, and then yeah, um, looks like we'll sort of start to get back in the swing of it again. And it's yeah, it's just one of those things. It's a, it's a great aerobic blowout. So um, I kind of figure that it it works well for surfing and it works well for riding the dirt bike as well. Yeah, it does a, a really good mixture for the both, doesn't it? Really. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of. Um, it's just one of those, you know. In, in thirty minutes, you can have a, you, you can have a blowout that you, you don't really get in, in doing any other sort of training that I find, um, and that's what I, I sort of really like about it. One, you get to hit something, you get to punch out a bit of frustration and <laughs> um, <laughs> and tension, and uh, and um, and you just get that really good sort of that really good blowout at the end of it. So uh, usually, I try and get in and do a, you know, a five o'clock or a five thirty in the morning session. Um, you get it over and done with early and then, you know, you've got sort of the whole day ahead of you. And is that down here? Like, where's that? Uh, I do it in Byron, a um, yeah. little uh, gym called Counterpunch in Byron. Um, yeah. And, yeah, look, it's it's fantastic. Um, absolutely love it. Great great bunch of people in there. Um, yeah. yeah, so I think that was sort of part of it as well was um, going in there and, and um, meeting those guys. And um, I guess it's it's probably not a not your traditional boxing gym it's more of a, a fitness style boxing mm-hmm. gym but it's it's really good really really well run and and yeah so sort of started to take the kids along to it and my son's starting to enjoy it now so it's it's that little bit of encouraging mm-hmm. encouraging him to do it but whilst I'm happy to get my head belted in I don't want him to be nah, <laughs> to, nah, nah. to head down that path so it's that, it's that sort of fine balance <laughs> hasn't the um like gym wise and that the tr- traditional gym it's disappearing, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. sort of gone to like the invention of like the group things, the group activities, yeah. accountability with other people in groups. It's sort of come that way, hasn't it? It, it has, and and for me, um, I don't know. I, I try and I, tr- I try and um, keep fairly active and and fit. Um, you know, with surfing or um, you know, I used to play footy a lot, but um, so I've always tried to maintain a level of, of fitness. But to go and sit in a gym. Um, I can't really, I can't really do that. I, I don't you think just I have. Chuck iron around a room. Yeah, I can't throw iron around. I don't think I've got the attention span for it. So, um, and 
and I know that if if it's just me driving myself, I'll um, I'll probably take it a little bit easier. If I've got someone yelling at me to do something, then then I'll do it. It's on. <laughs> Did, were you a boxing fan? Well, not really. No, not really. Yeah. Again, it's weird, it's, it? <laughs> it's just one of those things. Um, uh, yeah, like uh, it, it was just something that yeah. Once I once I started, I think it was just. Um, I guess I enjoyed just um, always setting myself a challenge, and and I just found that boxing was one of those things. Was, um, it was it's you know it's just a, a an intense personal challenge. I think just mm. just that um, yeah, just see how far you can push yourself. Because you're a smart like you're a smart person with your full time job that you do, is a pretty serious <laughs> job. Like you, everything you do is like well thought out. And uh, boxing is one of those sports that's like it's it's like chess. Yeah, it's. Yep. I thought you might be a boxing fan because of that or something, but uh, no, no. It's. I think that's one of the things that I that I do enjoy about it, and um, it's not getting hit. It's not getting hit. It, it's <laughs> that's a really key part of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that's what um, you know. I had to go home and explain myself um, when I said that I'd signed up for the amateur bout um, <laughs> and that I was contemplating it and. Yeah, how did it go? I got told I was an idiot, but in in um, some there was there's a little bit more colourful language than that used, I think. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, as I sort of explained, that it, it, part of it, the appeal, I think, is that it's 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 a physical challenge, but it's also that that um, you know that mental workout as well as it's it's trying to avoid getting hit as much as it is um, hitting. So. Mm. Um, yeah, what I what I did work out was that I wasn't very good, and I got hit in the head a lot. So wow. <laughs> that's not what you. That's what I wants to do. No. <laughs> so, so I'm kind of glad that that the bout fell over, and um, and you know I just got the I got the fitness kick along, and um, and and not the uh, not the broken nose to go with it. Have you seen that footage of Mike Tyson's comeback stuff? Yeah, scary. It's scary. Like, it 53 is, years old. It is legitimately scary. Yeah, um, it's. Just that speed and power. Yeah, like, yeah, it's ridiculous. That's you just look at it and you go, I don't. You, I, you can. I can't fathom how no. he's got that power and speed in his body. Like, how can he generate that much power? And yeah, and, and he was dormant for so long too. Like, uh, you know, you, you look at him on on the Hangover movies and that. Yep, he was. I've I read his book fairly recently, so I was, yeah, well, yep. like, I'm a bit of a Tyson fan. Then he was three hundred something pounds or something. Now he's come back. He's just, he owns this cannabis farm. He's got this total different business business model going in the States. It's it's very, very unique. And then all of a sudden he's come out shredded and the speed and the power, the power is it, incredible. It's incredible. Like you know, he what was, he's doing. He was pretty, you know, in his heyday, he was the scariest man on earth, yeah. I think. Like, And he hasn't lost it at all. No, there's, there's still people that are fearful. Yeah, you know, they, everyone around, like everyone that's in boxing and that around the world is like, "Gee, I don't want to be hit by that." Like I no, still don't. No, I've, I've been looking at the videos, going, "Oh, my, like legitimately yeah. scared." Going, I would never ever want to stand in no. front of him. No, like, and there's trainers walking away. Yeah, you know, there's trainers walking <laughs> away. Like, no, nah, this is it. Yep. Um, I, back uh, 2016, I was in Vegas, and he had his stand-up show. Yep. So stand up, talking about his career, and just one of these dudes that walks in the room. And sort of the oxygen sucks out of the room. It's just he's just got this aura that this is the, this was the is was the baddest man on the planet on the at planet. The time. Yep. And uh, yeah, I was speechless. Like from being the little kid watching him to seeing him walk in the room and 
signing glo- like signing yeah, glove and look, stuff. It was great. He's still just got that presence about he him, hasn't he? Yeah, he does. And there's not many not many people like that. You know, maybe a Valentino Rossi or a Kelly Slater yeah. or something like that. I think yep. it's this aura that they have. You know. Yeah, they. But um, yeah, for for Tyson, I, I think it's just that it's that presence, but it's just that inherent fear factor that goes Mystique with it. Like, and, yeah. <laughs> like you, you watch the, the videos of him wrestling t- East Tigers and yeah, just yep. things that just the average Joe, you, I, I'll call myself below average Joe, uh, just wouldn't do. So. No, no. Now, we haven't even touched on motorcycles. Yeah. You're you're an avid motorcyclist too. Avid, avid motorcyclist. What got you into that? <laughs> um, again, I, I'd never really ridden motorbikes as a as a kid on my, my nan's farm um she used to have a it was the most embarrassing motorbike getting around my cousin lived on on the farm with nan um you know he was into into motocross racing from from early ages he had a little peewee that we used to always go and go and watch him race around on um nan bought me a little red scooter to ride around the farm on so that's beautiful eh? yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I had that for a little while, and um, I never really got into it for some reason. It, it just wasn't cool to ride, you know, as a as a little kid to ride this bright red scooter up and down the farm paddock. You know, imagine it now. Oh, oh, it, it'd People would want it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wish I wish I still had it. Um, so yeah, I, I never, you know, rode them a, a little bit when I was earlier. I actually stopped riding because um, my sister crashed that scooter. Um, can't even remember how old we were. We were only we were only little, but um, it was kind of the first memory I've got of a really gruesome injury. And well, in my mind, it was gruesome at the time. It was gruesome enough to put me off riding the motorbike altogether. Do you remember what it was? She um, the th- the throttle locked on. Um, she was just on in some gravel, and so the throttle locked on, and she just you know high sided and and came off. And really, all she did was ripped open her knee, but at that time, I must—I can't remember how old I was, but it was the most gruesome, horrific injury I'd ever seen, which was just a ripped-open knee with a bit of gravel and blood in it. Um, so we had to rush her up to the hospital and, and sort of get it all cleaned up and stitched up. But that was kind of enough for me to go, yeah, I don't want to ride this little red scooter around anymore. So, <laughs> so I stopped riding motorbikes, and it was—it um, was only uh, probably four years ago. Five years ago, maybe, um, living in Lennox, um, I just sort of, a few of my mates rode dirt bikes on the weekend and um, it was around the time when, uh, you know, there was all the shark attacks happening around Lennox. We had sort of that spate for 12 months where there was, you know, it was becoming daunting to go surfing and, and that was kind of my catalyst was it got to the point when I was surfing that I'd be duck diving waves and all I'd have was images of sharks in my head and it just rattled me a little little bit. So um, I kind of stopped surfing for a little while and then was looking for something else to do. Um, and yeah, a few of my mates were riding dirt bikes and they, they were, you know, constantly um, constantly giving me uh, subtle suggestions. Um, ben Munro was probably one of the bigger instigators. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I bought, bought a... Oh, what I, I actually bought a DR first. I bought a road bike, the DR650, so the adventure bike first. Um, tried to take it out on the trails a little bit and, you know, soon realised it was way too heavy and, and um, I had nowhere near enough skill to ride it in the bush. So um, got myself a, a KDM 350 and another obsession grew from there. Yeah, and um, 
and then you decided to to do was it Broom to here? Yeah, is that right? Broom, Broom to Byron. Um. Well, was, was was that a good was it a good experience or how was it? Um, was there tough times? Yeah, yeah, it was it was absolutely brutal. Um, was it, it what bike was this on? This this was on the DR. So um, I hung on to the DR. Just um, kind of actually, I, I think it was Ben Munro had, had planted the seed in my mind as well. About he's good at that, isn't he? He's yeah, really good at it. And and stupidly, I just keep going along and going, yeah, no, no, I'm I'm going to do this. <laughs> um, so it was yeah. He he'd said, oh, how good would it be to ride you know to, motorbikes from you know Perth to Byron or Broome to Byron or you know do a big big adventure ride? It'd be fantastic and. Um, you know, the more I thought about it, it was like, you know what, it's, that sounds awesome. It's just, a, again, it's, it's another one of those personal challenges, I guess, or a, a, just something that it's, you know, you're just going to push your limits and, and can you do it? I don't know if I can do it, but let's, let's give it a go. Um, so essentially, yeah, that, that idea started, um, you know, started to tee up a, a few guys. Um, initially we had, um, there was probably about five or six guys were, were pretty keen to come along. And then as it started to progress and get closer, um, more and more people, you know, couldn't make it for whatever reason. And it was sort of to the point where it was just going to be me, um, me. And I was like, oh, well, you know, do I do I cancel? Do I... Mind you, I hadn't really planned anything. It was just the, the idea in my head at this stage still. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe I won't do it. And then um, I, I met another guy via Instagram, um, who's a Landy-obsessed um, guy. Uh, he was living in Byron at the time, um, and I might have po posted something. Um, I'd posted something about dirt bikes, and so we'd met up and gone for a ride in the bush. Um, and while we were riding, I'd sort of mentioned that I'd, I was planning on doing this, this trip across, and he was just um, 100%. He's like, I'm in. Like, That's I'm in. Cool. So... I'd met him once and he's already signed up to ride across Australia with me. I hadn't told him I've got no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it all planned out. <laughs> I've, got it, I've got it all planned out. Um, Damn. And so, yeah, so Paul, um, it ended up just being Paul and I. Um, so we we bought a couple of bikes. Paul ended up moving um, back down to Victoria. Um, so I think our, our planning consisted of about three or four phone calls to talk about bike set up and um what are you packing have you got this no nah, um trying to work out our toolkits um and then yeah we ended up shipped the bikes over to um broom we flew over um met the bikes in broom and um and then yeah had a had a very loose plan um to ride from broom back to byron the most sort of homework we'd really done was i'd gotten out a map and kind of mapped out our fuel stops and, and worked out, you know, the maximum distance we had between um, between fuel stations and um, and then worked out if we could get there on the uh, capacity of our fuel tanks. And um, and so, yeah, we ended up, I think uh, the maximum we had to drive was 550 kilometres, I think, between between stops. So we had enough fuel to, to get through those just... So what's a DR good for? Is it is that with a big tank? Yeah, so that was that was a DR with a with a big tank, um, and we were carrying uh, a ten litre fuel sack with us as well on oh, the back. Really? So um, 
there was uh, yeah, there was a couple of times I had to lay the DR over on the ground to get the last dregs of fuel out and over into the uh, <laughs> into the carby, and then it was sort of just you know yep. surging coming into a into a couple of towns. Um, but yeah, looking back, it was it was probably one of the most challenging things I've I think I've ever done, um, but also one of the the most enjoyable. Um, I don't know. You just can't explain it. The essentially it was Paul and I, um, unassisted, and you know, just riding through riding through the middle of Australia. It was it was phenomenal. Like we'd be sitting there. We did the Gib River Road and and all of those sort of went up through the Kimberleys and and um, you know went everywhere that you possibly can up through there. But you know we're sitting along at a hundred. 100 kilometres, they'll say, that we were doing um, through those dirt roads, just the two of us, you know, side by side, plumes of red dust trailing out behind us and, and you know, you're riding through some of the most incredible country that, that you've ever seen and and we'd just be sort of sitting there, like, skipping along the corrugations and just looking at each other going, like, how good is this? We're, we're just in the middle of nowhere, you know, nothing but the motorbikes, didn't have any plans, it was just like, wake up in the morning let's ride, like, off we'd go. There'd be a swimming hole and it's like, let's go and have a look up there. And so we'd detour up there for the day and um, come back down and keep riding. And, you know, we sort of had, we always, we had enough supplies to sort of get us through a few days and um, water was kind of the, the key thing. So we carried water sacks with us as well. Um, so, yeah, like, overall, it was it was an absolutely incredible experience. Um kind of getting itchy feet to do to do another one mm-hmm. um i haven't quite told <laughs> told the family that it's that it's happening um but it's uh, i guess it's one of those things it's um personally I, I find i get drawn um you know sort of got that urge to want to to want to do those um you know challenging you know adventures or, or do something and push myself to the i think it's it's that stretching yourself beyond your comfort zone um I always i'm i don't enjoy doing it but i'm I'm always happier on the backside if i've if i've tried to do something i've never done before or push myself beyond where i think you know i, I can sort of go to um it, but it's it's kind of that delicate balance of you know you have this there's this urge to want to go out and and adventure and explore and as soon as i leave home i'm, I'm homesick again and you know i miss miss the family and it's like oh you know it's just that that perpetual state of of being torn from from wanting to go out and adventure and wanting to stay home and um and and hang out with the family so hopefully uh as the kids get a bit older they can start to join in and and come along on a few of these these kinds of adventures why does that happen you reckon is it something that, do you feel in yourself that it's like for me i probably the last five years that's happened more than ever is that something for you as well yeah it it I've noticed it has been. Um, I, I, I don't actually know what it is, but it, I, the more I sort of, I don't know, is it, is it that we're getting older and wiser maybe? But um, the more you sort of sit back, I tend to sit back and think about it um, a lot more and it's kind of sort of that that trip was, was eye-opening in the sense that um, everywhere we'd ride, we'd, we'd kind of, you know, we'd, Two blokes on motorbikes would pull into a, a campsite on in the middle of nowhere. There'd be a few grey nomads, but 
sort of as soon as we'd pull up, we'd become the instant celebrities of of the um, of the campsite. Like all the old guys would be coming out of their you know couple of hundred thousand dollar <laughs> off road caravans with you know plasma screen TVs outside and. You know, camping's uh, changed, hasn't it? Camping's changed, <laughs> <laughs> but they'd come over and, and the consistent thing that that they were telling Paul and I was, oh mate, we wish we had done this when we were younger. You know, ah, oh, you know, I always thought I'd do something like this, that kind of an adventure. I love my motorbikes, or I love doing this. I always, you know, it's good to see people out doing it, and and that just kind of, um, you know, we just kept hearing it and kept hearing it, and it's like, oh, you know what? Like we were talking about it that night, and again. We kind of do everything backwards. We we work hard through the prime of our years, mm. and then you know, and then you sort of at, at retirement age, you're kind of too old to do a lot of the enjoyable things. Um, so I guess that's I kind of think about that a lot more, and it's like, well, you know, the kids are young and 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 they're at home, so now's probably the better time to be trying to do a little bit more of that adventurous stuff and getting them out, getting you know explore a little bit more and um yeah just i don't know try and squeeze a little bit more out of life i suppose yeah 100 percent. hey so so what else happened like so you went <laughs> broom kimberley's yep and then what through oh, alice Street? like what, yeah what yep. happened then so the um so the plan was uh we were, we were kind of doomed from the start a little bit so is his name paul Paul, yep. So is he like an adventurer guy or is he just, was uh, he going into this with a bit of an idea or how'd that work? I think he had a little bit more of an idea. Okay. He's, he's, he had a bit more of a, um, a hiking, um, he's a, Paul's a great motorbike rider. He's, he's, um, he's probably ridden bikes a lot more than I have. Um, and he's done a fair bit of hiking and, and camping and, and that sort of thing. So he's probably a fair bit savvier on the, uh, on the, <laughs> you know, the logistics of, of camping and, and adventuring a bit more than I was. Um, I don't know if he was, if he quite knew that I had a very loose plan and no real idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if he didn't, he discovered it within the first couple of days. Really? <laughs> yeah. So we, um, we got to Broome, um, landed there. Uh, there was an issue with Paul's bags. Um, they didn't get on the flight. So on a connecting flight. So we had to wait a couple of days for his bags to turn up and then the bikes, you know, we couldn't get the bikes because they were locked up in the, in the um, transport. So we broomed for a couple of days. We ended up staying at a, um, a backpackers there and, you know, got chatting to the, to the owner, um, or the manager there. And, you know, he just saw us when we wheeled the bikes out and he's like, Oh, you know, what's, what's the go here? And we're like, Oh, well, we're going to head up, you know, we're going to head up to, um, uh, you know, Head out. The, the plan was to go do the Gibb River Road. Um, can't even think of the peninsula now that, that we headed up um, to start with, but essentially go right up to the to the tip um, north of Broome, um, and and then yeah, make our way across the Derby, um, get onto the Gibb River Road. Um, plan was loosely to go to you know do all of the Gibb and everything in between, um, Kununurra. Um, then yeah, we sort of made our way across. We went up into Catherine yeah. um, as well. Um, so yeah, we did a probably didn't spend as much time in Catherine as um, as we wanted to, or we, we wanted to try and um, get up and and see a little bit more. But um, due to a couple of issues we had along the way, we didn't really have time on our sides at, at that the uh, back end of the trip. And then yeah, we sort of came down through um, Central Queensland. 
um, and then along the border ranges and, and back into Byron from there. So, but yeah, it was uh, oh, day one. Day one was all right. <laughs> we did our first real good start. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did our first stretch. Um, first stretch up to um, is it Dampier Peninsula? Is that what it's called? I've gone blank, but anyway, rode right up to the um, to the tip. Um, one arm point, I think we went to, and then turned around and and came back in and and camped. I had my first stack on um, just on dusk coming into the campsite. Um, just a big heavy bike in soft sand, um, and so I binned it. Um, managed to trap my knee under the bike and. Sort of by the time we got into the camp, Paul was already sort of a fair bit ahead. So by the time we got in there, you know, my knee was the size of a watermelon and it was just torn and bruised and, and bashed around a little bit. But that wasn't too bad. But on day one, too, I also lost my water sack. It fell off the back of the bike. And <laughs> so we this had, is all in the first this is all, eight hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I lost the water sack at about three hours in. <laughs> Did you know? No. How far did you get? Uh we probably had to we probably had to turn around and ride back about fifty or sixty k's, I think. Yeah, so it in wasn't sand. in sand, yeah. yeah. It wasn't too bad, but it was a good solid hours worth of riding. Mm. <laughs> Soft sand corrugations. Fantastic. Um, yeah, and it just managed to vibrate itself off um the back of the bike somehow. That's uh, a learning curve thing, isn't it? Never lost anything off the bike after that. Everything really? was strapped down, yep. triple checked, tightened, super tightened. Um thankfully though, the sack had fallen off in the middle of the road mm-hmm. and had been driven over by five cars that came along behind us and it was it was full but somehow it didn't pop wow. which i was very thankful about because i kind of would have been screwed otherwise no no water supply for um for the rest of the trip um so but yeah day one we went into um went into camp i'd, I'd sort of stuffed my knee um so that was good hobbling around and then day two we were coming out and there's we just sort of had, um, I had a paper map and then we had a little, um, the hammer map on my phone and, um, we were sort of having a look and there's, there was a little, you know, there's the main road back down, um, sort of, which takes you back into Broome or there was a little on the hammer map, there was a little four wheel drive track, um, that cut across and, you know, put us out onto the highway towards, um, a bit closer towards Derby. We just went, oh, it's on the map. It's got to be a track. So let's let's take it <laughs> we're adventurers now yeah we're adventurers yeah. now and um you know we turned off turned off the road and started heading down and so you know nice big wide open track and you know a little bit hadn't been used um that much by the looks of it and then yeah as we sort of went along it, it crept in and it crept in and it crept okay. in and then we were kind of like oh and then there'd be a log across the road and or a tree over and you know on the bikes it's you know hit it pop the log and then sort of flying along and then all of a sudden there was a bit of a washout and so we'd drop down into the washout and then you know slowly get our way back up and as we're going it's like it's getting getting less and less road like and there was you know ended up there was trees down everywhere like so no one's passed this area for a long time no one's been through there for ages but we'd kind of done a couple of crossings where um we just sort of hit some some washouts and you know jumped over them and then looking back you're kind of like we can't get back up that like mm. there's no way known we're going to get our bikes i couldn't get the dr back up that and you know they're in it was a big steep sort of cutout section because 
up there, you know, each year they just come and grade the roads out and it just cuts deeper and deeper and deeper. So you've still got these big vertical sides. So we're, we're down this old rutted, rutted out track, which in, you know, in wet season just forms a, a, a river bed basically. Um, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. It was a, I think it was a oh, hundred and something kilometer little detour. Um, might not have even been done. It might have been 70 kilometers. Um, and it took us, there was that many trees over the road. The sand was that deep in between them. I think it took us something like five hours to travel 15 Ks um, on the bikes. And it was brutal. Like my knee was already killing me. I dropped the bike about 20 more times at least. Um, and in the end, I actually burnt the clutch out. Day two. On, day two. Clutch completely gone. So um, clutch completely gone. We we're partway down this track, middle of nowhere, no phone reception. Yeah. Um, and so and in the end, we had to skull drag our, the bikes up out of this little washout bit, try and tramp down some grass and set up camp for the night. I'd actually, I'd cooked myself. So I'd pretty much, it was five o'clock in the afternoon. I collapsed with heat exhaustion and set my tent up and went to bed basically in the middle of nowhere middle of nowhere um yeah it was it was it was pretty random paul thankfully um managed to to play around with the bike and get a little bit more play and and um squeeze the last little bit that we could out of the clutch um so then in the morning we sort of took off and um we realized that the clutch you know i could only get enough out of it so that if i wasn't in super soft sand i had enough there that i could i could keep the wheel turning i had to take off in second gear and just go basically and just ride it just ride it just had to keep the momentum up had to keep if i slowed it down at all and there was no clutch to use but it'd just stall and die and um so in the end paul had to ride ahead like and we had to bush bash through um there's the spear grass up there it's like six foot high so you can't you can't see anything um Paul had to ride ahead of me and essentially I just couldn't stop. So I just had to get it into second and just go and sit on the tail of him. And it was whatever was in the way was just either going over it or, you know, whatever. So we know the other outcome <laughs> yeah. it's over it or you're over. <laughs> exactly. And, and so, um, yeah, so I just had to, oh, it took us, we, we started early in the morning and it, it, it like it took us a good, 10 hours I think to ride out of there um yeah so it took us 10 hours to ride 50 kilometers maybe Um, and it was through some of the roughest you know rutted out washed out tracks that I've I've ever seen like I haven't ridden a dirt bike through you know terrain like that let alone a, a DR fully loaded weighing 200 and something kilos and and um you know eventually we managed to get out. Um, we we got back out onto the highway. I've never been so happy to see some bitumen in my life. It it felt it was the longest two days I've ever I've ever had. And this was, you know, day two into the trip into it. <laughs> Did you the next day after the exhaustion? Were you burnt still? Yeah, nac- yeah. I just um, I was I was absolutely sapped. Um, 
and you know that night you know I was trying to rehydrate um you know trying to eat eat so I had some energy for the next day and and you know I was just conscious of um you know I had hydrolytes with me so I was trying to get as much um fluid back into me as I could for the next day but um the problem was that we'd I didn't have a huge amount of water left I had a I think I might have had five litres five litres of water with me left at that point um even though we we're only you know two days in it was just that you know the first day riding in um you know drank a fair bit and then the next day it was such hard work it was hot um you know and just dropping the bike it, after you, we was that exhausted and the sand was that soft and deep that we'd go along and we'd hit deep sections of sand and Paul would be able to get through. He was riding a um, Husky 501, mm, a so a little bit lighter and, and a bit more nimble than, than I was. But we just hit a deep section and the bike would just stop again and then we'd have to skull drag it back out onto some hard ground again to get it going. But it was it was hitting the point that we'd I'd hit a soft section and it'd stop we'd just have to go and lay down for a little while or we'd skull drag it out and then we'd have to lay down for 40 minutes and, and recuperate because it's, you know, we're in we're in the gear because the spear grass was like nailing us. So it was getting us through all our riding gear and then we'd have to go and drag it off, find a bit of shade, lay down, you know, get our energy, go again. And, um, yeah, it took us a little while. Needless to say, like two days later, we've rolled back into the... Um, back into the backpackers where we were staying or where we departed from and and the guy there had you know given us a big send-off and said oh you know enjoy oh, so the went back to the start yeah we went back to the start two days later he's he's heard the bikes come in and he stuck his head out and he's like oh this doesn't look good Damn. i'd i look like i'd uh, yeah like i'd i got off the bike and like tipped water out of my boots like i was sweating that much from from the exertion of, of trying to get through there like walking around my motorbike boots were just sloshing and wow. i was parched and i'd run out of water and you know i was nearly at the point i was going to drink it back out of my boots again but well <laughs> son <laughs> yeah. that's that was it and that was um yeah so that was by day three we were back at back at the um at the backpackers and uh, in Broome, uh and had to get a new clutch in and that took a week so so you stayed there for a stayed, week. <laughs> stayed at the backpackers for a week. Yeah. So um, eventually, uh, eventually we got it in, got back on our way, um, took off straight through to straight through to um, Derby, and then and then out onto the Gib. Um, and yeah, like a lot of the riding through there was just just incredible. Like um, sort of by that stage, <laughs> by that stage, um, my knee had you know a week in broom not d doing any riding my knee had sort of probably settled down you. yeah yeah it, it was probably quite beneficial I had some pretty pretty awesome bruising going on from you know halfway up my calf to halfway up my hamstring was just black but um but yeah it was, it was the swelling had gone down and and so I was, I was able to get around a bit better which was which was good um and yeah so we we took off um we sort of we just we had a lot of good riding um Right the way through, we we went up. Um, uh, where'd we go? Um, man, I'm having a blank on the. We went up to the waterfalls right up, um, right up north. It was 
it was incredible. Like the right take up to like Kununurra. Yeah, up, up no, that way? before Kununurra. Oh. Um, well, yeah, I should should remember all of this stuff. It's, uh, it's obviously haven't been out there. <laughs> it's been you been to too long since I did it. <laughs> um, oh man, I can't even can't even think of what the uh, what the name is. Um, that's that's going to annoy me now. But uh, we ended up we rode up. Um, rode up. Nah, I've got to look at. I've got to work out what that name is. <laughs> Bear with me, Mick. Yeah, no worries, no worries. <laughs> what an experience, though. Oh, it was it was incredible. But so for for Paul, when you just got back to, was there any like uh, not rivalry, but what did he say when you just went back to the backpackers? <laughs> like, here's a, here's a week. I've got to sit here for a week. Yeah, he's he's a week that um, yeah, he, he was just kind of um, he's just kind of stuck there. Like, what could it, he do? We couldn't do anything. Like, yeah. we we were just we were going absolutely insane. And every single person that you'd talk to would be like, the five hundred one's going to do the clutch. Yeah, no one's going to yep. think a DR is going to do the clutch. You know? everywhere, everywhere, really, yeah, everywhere, really, everywhere we went, it's yep. like the reliable DR yeah. or the five hundred one. That's that the Husky's going to have all the issues. Yep. Yeah, no, he'd sorry Husky, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I know DR six fifty. DR six fifty. That's the whole yeah. point. I, I thought, well, um, you know, we'll, we'll grab that. Um, I'll grab that, and that's that's a perfect adventure bike. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and it was a road up to Columbaroo was where we were okay. going, and then um, out off to the to the falls out up there. But we rode up there, set up into the pulled up into camp one night um, up there. So you know, again, I had my second stack on the road coming into um, into camp that night. So official riding day. What are we up to? Probably a fiver. Yeah, probably day five. Okay. Yep. So. Two stacks in yep. two stacks in five days. Um, fell over again, did the same knee, you know, drove it into the into the gravel um, again. Just getting a little bit carried away. We we came in, um, we crossed King George River, did really good river crossing, and then everyone was telling us that the road coming in was was just horrible and and you know one of the worst roads that they've um, that they've ever driven on. And we got there, and it had just been freshly graded, and it was like a flat track. So all of a sudden, you know, we'd we'd had a fair few kilometres under our belt, and so we were coming in and just flying through there. And I got a little bit overconfident, and then hit some loose gravelly stuff, and so binned it, sort of coming in. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it was Mitchell Falls, is what I'm thinking mm -hmm. of, is where we were heading into. Um, yeah, and so ended up. Paul was <laughs> Paul was a fair bit ahead of me, but we were running out of light, so it was starting to get dark. There was a bushfire that was starting to come through, and so we could sort of see the smoke coming and getting dark, and you know everything working against me. Paul was a fair bit ahead of me. Um, I've binned it, knew that I hurt my knee again. Pulled the bike up, the handlebars were twisted, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was nothing around that I could even use to try and straighten them. I couldn't put much pressure on my knee, so then I've, I've ridden the um ridden the last bit you know with twisted handlebars just trying to get in there before dark and um we got there eventually set up camp for the night just um and then <laughs> middle of the night paul got up went to the toilet he's he's come back in so we had our tents but he's asleep and he's i hear this andrew andrew you awake i'm like 
I am now, mate. What's what's going on? He goes, oh, I think I just kicked a stick. I'm like, I think I kicked a stick. And he goes, or I got bitten by a snake. I'm like, all right, I'm awake. <laughs> he's he's uh, called me. So I've crawled out, you know, middle of the night, grabbed my torch. He's like, have a look at the top of my foot. Do you reckon... Do you reckon that's a snake bite or have I kicked a stick? And um, I've had a look and sure enough, there's two perfect puncture marks right in the right in the top of his foot. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, mate, I think you might have kicked a stick. Let me just go. I'll go and have a look. And I'm in the bush trying to see if there's a snake around. There's no sticks anywhere near the path he's just walked on. And um, so lo and behold, he's been bitten by a snake in the middle of the night. He's like, what do we do? I'm like, oh, well, there's a chopper. There's the, the chopper base down the road there where they run the scenic flights over the falls from. I'm like, I could go and wake them up, I suppose. And um, I said, oh, we've got, we had a snake bandage. It's like, let's put the compression bandage on. Um, I didn't really know what we were doing. <laughs> but it was like, you know, if you start feeling nauseous, I'm pretty sure you'll start to feel sick if you've been bitten by a snake. So just put the socking on, you know, elevate your leg, lay down, just chill out and we'll... Um, I'll just monitor you for, um, you know, every 10 minutes or so. We'll just, I'll jump back into bed and, you know, we'll just make sure that um, I'll sing out and make sure you're okay. And um, I think I checked about two or three times and then started snoring and Paul didn't sleep at all, like, but was documenting every couple of minutes um, that he still felt all right. And um, thankfully, um, yeah, he didn't get any symptoms. So we think it might have been a dry bite or a non venomous snake or something. But. You know, we've woken up in the morning. My knee was just enormous again and black and bruised. And um, Paul had been bitten by a snake. So we both sort of hobbled out of our tents in the morning and then gone, all right, let's do the hike into the falls. (laughs) So we did that. We we managed to get through it. And then um, we got the chopper flight back out of there, which was was good. So, yeah, that was... uh, that was about day five. We were we were pretty beaten and beaten and bruised, um, but then yeah, rode out of there. Um, sort of got got through most of it, fine, um, until we hit uh, got to Mataranka, yep. and then um, again I had I had issues <laughs> again. We went into a little town called um, Nooka. Um, we went in there to get some fuel. Um, and it's just sort of uh, before we'd, we'd gone through Mataranka and then um, you sort of go to Roper Bar and then we were taking the Savannah Way to sort of um, to head across and um, we'd been told that Roper Bar was shut so you've got to get fuel either at Mataranka or and we thought, well, Nooka's sort of just around the corner, we'll, we'll fuel up there, come back and then um, and then head off on our way and I got a puncture coming into Nooka. Um, I'd run over a nail and it pretty much just cut a C-section in, in my tube wasn't a drama, I had a spare tube, so we just pulled over and um, took the wheel off, you know, swapped the, swapped the tube over, and then just as we were putting putting the last little bit of the um, tyre back on, the lever snapped, tyre lever snapped, bang, punched two holes in my brand new tube, it sort of snapped oh, no. and, and went in, it's like, ah, uh, like, I, I don't think it punctured, we'll just pump it up and check. Yeah, so it, it had punctured had to take it back off again with a broken lever try and patch it up long story short about five attempts to patch a tire later it was pitch black 
we'd ended up swapping over the we'd abandoned the rear tube we'd run out of tire patches i chucked a front tube in my rear and thought yeah. all right we just got to get out of town and, and go and find somewhere to camp we got about three kilometers down the road again <laughs> rear tube, the front tube burst in the in the rear and uh pulled over into the scrub on the side of the road and set up camp and uh tried to work out what the hell we were doing and uh yeah, we'd run out of patches, we'd run out of glue, we had no spare tubes. Um, Paul was running tubeless in his, but both his tubeless had burst, so he'd used a couple of my spares and, you know, we'd ended oh, wow. up chucking tubes back in his bike. Um, so in the end, Paul's bike was good. Um, yeah, again, we're in the middle of nowhere. My bike's, you know, useless. I couldn't couldn't get anywhere on it, parked it off in the side, and Paul had to do a quick... 400 kilometer ride back to Catherine to get to the bike shop it was a Saturday morning I think so he had to get to Catherine before lunchtime um and the road out to Roper Bar is pretty shit like it was corrugated it was gravelly it was it's gnarly you tested yourself didn't you tested (laughs) tested myself so he had to do the 400k return trip and um I had patchy signal on my phone sitting out where we were and I'm like mate I'll just sit here I'll wait so parked up on the side of the road for the day and um, sat there Paul rang me about 11.30 just pulled into Catherine got to the bike shop he's like he rings me up he goes no they're shut they were closed for the for the day they there was a funeral or something so they were normally open till lunchtime but they were shut so it was a Saturday he's in Catherine I'm 400 kilometres away on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere and um, sort of sitting there going, uh, what do we do now? It's like ended up, well, I managed to get uh, get a hold of a tow truck out of Mataranka. I oh, see, so he wasn't joking. No. Nah. Real deal. Yep, real deal. I, initially I thought he was. And yeah. I'm like, ah, funny guy. Funny man. <laughs> wow. Real funny. He's like, nah, i got nothing. So, yeah, i got a, an $800 tow truck from... Uh, to take me, um, I was about 150 kilometres from Mataranka, I think. Yeah. So dragged me, dragged me back into there, ditched me at the uh, caravan park um, or at the station, Mataranka station there, and um, and then yeah, we sort of had to had to stay there until uh, till the bike shop opened again in Catherine. So <sighs> we, what the good thing was that Paul managed to, you know, the bike shop was shut, but he went to went and got a heap more patches and tire tire repairs and glue and and everything so we thought oh we both met met up at Mataranka again we thought well all right we got a few days let's just sit here and try and repair this tire this tube properly and see if we can get on our way and um we tried and mate it was one of the most frustrating things that, that we've ever done but we got it tried that many times and nothing had just it just wouldn't take. We had, yeah. you know, every old boy in the campsite over giving us a hand, and I've you know, done this before. <laughs> I've done this before, <laughs> and eventually, you know, we got there, and it's, you know, we've patched up. It's like, all right, let's clean it. Let's let everything dry. Let's, you know, let's do it all by the book, and and you know, giving it plenty of time to cure. We let it let it cure for a couple of hours before we even tried to in, inflate it. So we got got it all patched up. It was looking good. Put air in the tire. Let it hold. It's like you beauty. It's it's holding pressure, no leaks, no bubbles, nothing. All right, sweet. Let's just put it in the wheel. You know, back in the tire, 
tyre back on, pump the tyre up, let's let it sit again for a couple of hours, make sure it's holding pressure. You know, hour or two later, came back, still good. All right, chuck it on the bike, pack up tent, let's go, we're out of here. Put the wheel, putting the wheel back in the bike, and I just heard it go, patch had let go again. Wheel went flying, bike got kicked off the stand, biggest hissy fit you've ever seen. I went off to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till Monday. Wait till Monday. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that was um, patience test. Patience, patience, yeah. patience tester. I was, I was a broken man by by about that point. That so was, this seemed yeah, first week in a bit. Yeah, first week in a bit, and I'd, right. um, you know by that point I was I was really homesick. You know, missing missing my wife, missing the kids, and um, I'd spent you know an entire day sitting on the side of a red dusty road in thirty five degree heat. Just you know, there was one one or two trees and I was just sort of shuffling my way around the little shady spot under the tree all day, you know, every now and then someone had come past out there. It was Jeez, you got some time to think. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, so where we go from there? So from there, was uh, it all smooth sailing? It, it, it actually was pretty good from there. So, um, Monday morning, uh, I borrowed Paul's bike. I took off, hightailed it back up to Catherine. So it was only, you know, 250 k's or something from Mataranka. <laughs> I don't know, just a, just a short, leisurely drive. So took off at the crack of dawn, got there as soon as the bike shop opened, loaded up, grabbed tubes, repair clamps, new tyre levers, you know, everything we could think of. Chucked them all on, hightailed it back down, packed up, and then, um, yeah, and then we, we set off and uh, and went went back out through the Savannah Way. Um, yeah, sort of awesome riding in through there as well. Um, and then, yeah, we sort of came down, um, came down sort of into, um, oh, where we sort of come down through, sort of came down to, to Beeline into central Queensland. We ended up sort of going through Mount Isa and, um, and, you know, Longreach, Mount Isa, all the way down through there, um, into the border ranges and just sort of, it was pretty smooth sailing from there on. It was a lot of, ended up being a fair bit of highway driving. Um, riding that way mm. um, but you know a, a two-week trip we were we were about four weeks into it so um, we were ready to get home so, <laughs> so what was the total, total? Uh, took us 30 days all up Thirty days how many k's uh, we did seven and a half thousand k's Damn. total so yeah. um, it was a lot of time a lot of time on the bike um, it was a lot of there was a lot of board highway riding towards the last little bit where you know especially through um through um northern central northern territory and queensland um you know there's just some long stretches of straight road with not much in between so um paul and i were sort of getting a little bit bored and you know you'd be riding along next thing you know paul would go past with his feet up over the handlebars you know laying back you know by that stage we'd been riding so much it was like 110 kilometers he'd go past and it's like oh all right so then i'd sit you know what can just, i do <laughs> yeah what can i do and you know just silly things to pass the times but um yeah it was, it was just an absolute ball having said that by the time we got into byron pulled up at the rails car park there and uh handed the bike off a few of the boys were there to you know, actually a few people there to, to meet us boys had brought a trailer bike straight on the trailer and 
I don't think I touched it again for about <laughs> for about a month or two. Really, it was just like I've I've had enough of that bike for a little while. What a what an awesome experience, mate! It, really, it, it was incredible. Like, thankfully, you know, just just being able to to um, to do it, to experience it was um, it kind of seeded that that urge to want to want to do more of it, I, I guess. Mm. And you know, as soon as I finished it, that was it. I wanted to. Um, sell the house, pack up everything and, and take the family and we were getting, you know. We're going on an adventure kids. <laughs> we're going on an adventure kids. Yeah. It's, um, I want to do more of this. Yeah. So uh, when when we first started talking about it, you said, oh, there's something else I want to do. Would it be that again? Or you, have, have you put some thought into another style of adventure? Yeah, yep. Um, I've just started the uh, conversation with a few guys to yeah. um, have a crack at doing the Cape. Yeah, cool. Um but like in hindsight, it's it's all the stuff that kind of went wrong was part of the fun, part of the adventure. Like yep. it was, you know, when something's broken or, or busted and you're out there with nothing yeah. else, like that's that's where you've, you've kind of got to work out how, how the hell you're going to get yourself out of it. Yep. Um, so we're contemplating at this stage is a, yeah, a, a trip up, up to the Cape on ship boxes, basically. So we're yeah, going to set yeah. a limit on the amount of money you can spend to buy your bike. Yeah. Um, and you've, you know, it's we're thinking it, it'll be the last man standing up mm. there, basically. Um, support vehicle or nothing? We might take a support vehicle just because of the bikes. Just because of the bikes. Yeah. Um, and you know, just to set a couple of extra challenges is um, you get a limited limited time frame to to repair your bike if it breaks down, and if not, then you. You're left behind Man, with the support like truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the bivouac, you've only got an hour for a night time. Exactly, exactly. Wow. So um, we, we, it's it's early days, but um, but we think something like that might be on the cards. That's cool. A couple yeah. a couple of my mates and myself a few years ago were talking about posties. Yep. Yeah, you know, that they're like they're super reliable and everything, but oh, geez, mate, that posties to the Cape would be. That'd be an adventure, especially on uh, what are they? Twelve inch wheels, twelve or fourteen? Yeah, very small. Yeah, in that pretty, sand, it'd be pretty. It'd, it'd being be hard heavier work. in the sand on a posty. Yeah, be hard. But what a like same thing. What a journey and yeah. Australia's like um Australia's like an adventure capital, really for people. Like if you're into the outdoors, there's not much of a better place to be. Ab- absolutely, and um you know when we did the the broom trip, like we bumped into a guy from Port Macquarie, and yep. he was just riding solo. Um, he was on a KLR six fifty, um, and yeah, so we we bumped into him at Mataranka, and he was just on his way. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'll cut across the bottom of the um, <coughs> the bottom of the Gulf, and then I'm heading up to the Cape, and then you know just going to make my way back home." He'd, he'd started at Port Macquarie and gone down south and all the way around. And it was like, "Oh man, dream, eh? dream!" Like he's he would have been in his late fifties, I guess, early sixties, yeah. and he was just same thing. He's like, "Oh." always wanted to do this always found an excuse to put it off and he said you know my wife got sick of me talking about it and she said just bloody do it and, hey, and so, so he, cool. he was doing it and, and he was having the ball so he uh when we left Mataranka he he sort of rode with us for a little bit and then you know we'd, we'd cross paths a little bit here and there but um yeah so it's like well you know cape cape so that's a big one cape cape would be uh be a challenge so I might try and put a little bit more planning into this one. And no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's uh, that is that's a cool story though. Really, that's a 
yeah, a really good adventure story. Yeah, I, I think on the whole trip, I'm just glad that uh, the the to Byron trip was. Um, Paul was a pretty chilled out and, he was. and yeah, placid guy, which is which is good because yep. um, yeah, he's he was kind of the cool, the cool calm collected. Yep. You know, think his way through it first, and um, there's a few times I was I was losing the plot a little bit, and um, you know, he was just cool, calm, and just we'd work our way through it. And it's like, all right, all right, yeah. <laughs> methodical, methodical. Was, um, did he have any issues, or did he have a pretty smooth run? No uh, knees blowing up, or no? Look, he 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 was running um, the tubeless. Um, the tubeless system in his tyres. Mm. Um, both of those, he burst both of those, like the wow. actual inner tubes. One of them, we'd um, we'd ridden into a waterhole. We'd been up swimming for an hour or so and, and chilling out. Um, it might have been at Emma Gorge or somewhere like that. We're just walking back down to the bike and as we're gearing up to, to take off again, we just heard, you know, his front tyre let go. Yeah. Like, oh, so we don't know. It, it just ruptured for some reason so we chucked a spare tube in my spare tube in in there and um so yeah he did both uh both the tubes in the tubeless system went um and then yeah somewhere uh between Kananara and Catherine um he was having issues with his bike it kept sort of spluttering and dying and conking and so you know it was it's it's sort of open road there so we were hooking along and then all of a sudden it had just He'd lose all power again, and then it'd he'd sit down or something, and and then it'd take off again. So we pulled over a few times, and we thought it was a fuel issue, or yeah. trying to work out what was going on. Um, it turned out he just had a loose connection on his battery. So every time he'd stand up off his seat, it'd it'd take the pressure off, and it'd it'd jiggle free. And every time he'd sit down, it'd make connection again, and yeah. off he'd go. And <laughs> that was it. That was that was all the issue he had on the husky. That's one of those things that. <clears throat> could really be hard to find. Yep. Like, unless you're really lucky and see that, you know, that's, you start looking at fuel, then, oh, is it this, is, is that, it, the battery connection? Battery Not connection. Really. We didn't even, you know, yeah, it was then, kind of the last thing, and that's exactly what we'd done. We'd pulled over, you know, checking all the filters and, yep. and whatever else, looking, going, you know, no, there's fuel, looks like there's fuel there, and it's, couldn't, couldn't work it out, and then, yeah, realised that um, it was only by chance, I think he bumped the battery. Yep connection and just went oh that's it was just barely hanging on there and so that was it that's pretty good not Not bad bad. not bad yeah uh the dr yep that's they're they're a pretty incredible bike aren't they really realistically yeah like it's it was just a workhorse yeah so um like we we did a fair few river crossings um like and fairly deep too so um that was a first for me i've never really done much riding through yep. water let alone anything that's well that's, that's supposed to be for boats and surfboards isn't it yeah water. yeah pretty <laughs> pretty much yeah. um and i think uh we did we did all the gib um and finally got to sort of Kananara and i thought oh i'd better give it a service and change the oil and yep. clean the filter <laughs> took the took the um open up the airbox and like there was that much sort of muddy water sitting in the bottom of the of the airbox. Yeah, nice. The 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 filter was just caked with mud, and like coming into Kununurra, it was starting to lose a little bit of power and struggling a little bit. And again, I thought it might have been a little bit of an issue with some dirty fuel or 
or a blockage or I thought oh, maybe they hadn't really checked the air filter that much and um, thought oh, it might be a little bit caked yep. up. But yeah, it was it was semi-submerged and just kept kept tractoring along, you know, a little bit of a steamboat every now and then. You'd <laughs> suck air in and, and blow it out the back. But um, yeah, it just it just kept going. It's pretty cool. After, after, the clu- after it had a brand new clutch, it, uh, it kept going. It's like a birthday. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, Harley about to bring out the uh, bike called the Pan Am. Have you seen any of this? No. So it's their, their version of the Venture Bike. Yeah, so right. So Pan America or Pan Am or whatever. Yep. And it's supposed to be delivered towards the end of the year, but we've had this thing called COVID. COVID's popped yeah. up, and I think I think it's going to be delayed a bit. But I've got my I've currently got my Venture Bike, and this thing looks incredible. So I, uh, I don't know. What have you got? You've got the Tiger got Triumph at the Triumph. moment, the Tiger Eight Hundred, yep. and. Uh, I went out on it uh, two weeks ago and the 50k reduction thing got lifted. First yep. time I've ridden it since I dislocated my shoulder. And uh, we went out. Have you been up that the back of uh, the border ranges near Duck Creek and stuff? Yeah. So yep. I went up there and I was like, oh, yeah, this should be pretty cool. Mate, some of the rocks were coming through. Like, I think this thing shouldn't be through here, but it's awesome. <laughs> like adventure riding, I think, is, you know, from the road bike background that I've done, the adventure yeah. stuff now is... It's the way to be. It's so much fun. It's 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 one of those things like um especially for our sh- crappy roads. Crappy roads, yeah. yeah. It, so. it it just it kind of and once you do it it, it kind of gets into your into your blood a, yep. a little bit, I guess. Um yeah, I don't I'd only ever sort of thought about it just to do that that big ride. Yeah. And now it's like oh, actually that's you know, my plan was I'd I'd do the ride, come home, sell the bike. Yep. Um, you know, get myself a, a road bike or get get something, upgrade the dirt bike. But it was like I just can't part part with it. It's it's um, uh, it's it was a journey. It's it's been on a journey yeah. with me. It's, um, <laughs> it's still wearing the battle scars from it, but um, yeah. And it, it, at the same time, I don't want to get rid of it because it's like, well, that's awesome. I can throw the tent on, set you know, yeah. and just take off for a couple of days and and go wherever. It's, yeah, that's it. That's such a cool part to it. You it know? Yeah, it, it's. I think it's just having that, you know, with the adventure bikes. It's it's that bit of freedom that you yep. can you know. They're a little. You can you can throw a bit more gear on them and and take off and mm. just go wherever you go wherever, wherever you, you want. To. Yeah, yeah no, it is. It's pretty damn cool. And yeah, I don't know. I I, I looked at adventure bikes growing up and like sort of waved at people. Yeah. Look at this guy. This is a bit <laughs> odd. <laughs> and now I've got one. Yep. And same deal. I look at myself and go, oh, you're a bit odd, but I love it. I really am addicted to riding it. And yep. I, um, you know, you give some of the sports bikes a bit of a run through some of the hills too because they handle. They're okay. They're okay. They're yeah, okay. and they get good ground clearance. And yep. you know, as I said, the roads aren't—they're not the best in the world. But it, you deal with what you've got, and these things just soak it up. So yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. Have you have you got named down for one of the new Harleys when they come out? Uh, I would like to go on a ride for one. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, nah, definitely. Uh, for the details on them. They're few and far sort of between at the moment of, of the specs and stuff. Yep. But I've seen a couple of like the semi-launch videos development slash development videos. Yep. And um, yeah, it's aimed at sort of BMW, KTM. Well, this is what I feel. This is coming from my own personal opinion at that sort of market, like the GS yeah. or say a 1190 Adventure or 1290 now. Yep. Um, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see where it sort of sits where in there. Where it sits in the market, I think it's exciting because yeah. those two two brands have had a pretty consistent run of the premium adventure range. Yep. So this should be um yeah it should be really cool to see and hopefully like the engine the Harley engine is all, like the V twin, yeah awesome you know torquey motor which out in the bush or hill climbs or anything 
Could just beautiful should be so yeah. fingers crossed it's a good package be uh, i haven't really heard much of them be interesting to see them when they um yeah when they they again. yeah so fingers crossed um but yeah i think i think it hopefully uh 20 what are we in now 2020 2021 they might start to see some coming here and yep. yeah be be cool to see so yeah Absolutely. goodbye triumph <laughs> <laughs> so but it's been good though but yeah. uh yeah yep. it's one of those things um now you part of riding bikes surfing and all these other adventure activities, you don't mind MotoGP as well. Yeah, yep. So um, last two years or what, last, what are you yeah, doing? Uh, last two, maybe uh, maybe two out of the last three, I think it was. I think we missed we missed a year um, in between. But um, yeah, and again, like uh, growing up, I never really watched a lot of motorsport, um, never really watched a lot of motorbikes or anything, but um Again, it's just one of those things that once you once you start riding bikes and you starting start paying a lot more attention to it, um, yeah, you start to get you get drawn into it. And then, um, I guess one of the cool things we have is uh, is a mate of mine um, up here, Michael, is um, yeah pretty well connected um, with the guys from MotoGP. So uh, you know he's he's managed to organise for us to get down there and um you know we, we sort of got to hang out with um paul spargo um Chavi viergo and it's just been phenomenal look my son nick just absolutely loves moto gp now um but like you know those guys are uh, idols for him and um we went down to phillip island last year and and took him out surfing that's and, unreal and, you know it's just you know, hang, hanging out, they're just awesome guys, and and you know, for Nick, he's, you know, the the biggest thing for him was, um, you know, a bit of a boys' trip to to Phillip Island. He'd, he'd want an Instagram account, you know, for forever and a day, and we've been like, no, 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 no. And then finally, it's like, all right, mate, you can have an Instagram account, and like helped him set it up. His first post, you know, is the photo of him surfing with with two guys from MotoGP. His first two likes ever, and first two comments on his first post. Are, from two moto guy moto gp guys like it's incredible he's just sitting there going oh you know this is this is yeah. phenomenal and yeah like it's um are they good guys awesome absolutely awesome guys like um in our first year that we went down um you know kdm red bull was was fairly new mm. um and uh yeah like paul took us in gave us a tour of the pits um you know just Never, never even sort of contemplated that that we'd be able to get access, you know, to do yeah. that, to go in and and see the bikes. You know, Paul's giving us a full tour of his of his bike and and showing us, you know, the whole setup and the computers and how it all works. And it's it was absolutely mind blowing. Um, and you know, for for Nick at the time, he was he must have been uh, eleven, I think, when we went to the first one. And you know, um, Michael's got him in so we we're in with the um uh who was charvy riding for at the time uh he was riding with remy gardner um in one of the moto two teams but nick's in there on the on the you know sit got photos sitting on the bike in, on it on the bike in the pits yeah. he's you know stuck his head out of pit lane and seen him coming down you know in warm-up laps and like it's just absolutely incredible and then uh last year I, I actually managed to get out onto pit lane uh at the for, sorry at the um start of the race for moto three so on the grid out on the grid yeah right and 
And so, um, like for me, like I was, I was a kid in what candy store. It was, it was incredible. Just wandering around out on the, out on the starting grid. It was, um, ah, it's insane. And in some way like Phillip Island too, you go down there and it's, um, you know, there's so much, um, you know, motorbike culture and, and, yeah. and history about it. And it's, you know, everybody's there for the same thing. And it's like, it's incredible. You, you get down there, it's such a spectacular, you know, spot to sit up and you've got, you know, you've got every element getting thrown at you, rain, sun, wind, you know, hail, sleet. Last year. <laughs> yeah. Last year it was, it was everything. And, and then you get out there and just the noise of the bikes as they're coming past. So, um, our favourite spot is to um, we go and sit on the inside corner at Lukey Heights there. Yeah. So you see them coming over and pretty much always end up in if they're going to come off, they end up into the wall in front of you. And um, but yeah, it, it's just it's phenomenal. There's just, there's just something about that. You know, it's the noise, it's a, it's it's the smell, it's, it's all your senses. It's eh? all your everything's senses. alive. It's yeah. all your senses are assaulted at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, it's hard to, like for people that haven't been to MotoGP. Yep. It's just so hard to describe. Like, oh, it's just motorbikes going around. No, there's just so much. And Phillip Island. Yep. You're on an island. So anyone that's there is there for one reason. For only, one reason. Is to go to the motorcycle racing. Yep. Or see the re- see Valentino Rossi or Mark Marquez. Even if yep. they don't like the bikes, the it's, characters. It's the characters sort of and, and the personalities. It's, and it's incredible. It, it's phenomenal. And um, like, to be honest, I, I didn't ever think I'd, I'd really follow yep. um, MotoGP or... or um, or be that excited, you know, if you had have told me 10 years ago that I'd be looking forward each year to going to, to Phillip Island. Yep. It's, it's now it's just, a it's locked in on the calendar. I've, I've got to be That's there. What I do. Yep. It's, yeah. it's like we're going, it's, it's the, um, it's a bit of a boy's trip. Um, you know, for me and my son and, and, you know, a um, few of our other mates, you know, yep. sort of go there. There was, there was some, um, some very loose talk last year that, uh, I think there's a couple of the guys from um, from Byron at the Ducati shop there that um, that ride down. Mm-hmm. Um, so they ride down each year, but there's rumours that they that there is a way of getting there all the way on dirt. So that's pretty cool. That could that could be take us a week or so to get down there, but um, twist the wrist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a that could cool be thing. a challenge. Now, I, I don't know if I heard it through you or one of the other guys from down here. Was it? Was there something that happened in the surf? Uh, <laughs> in, can, can this be said or not? It, it, it depends on on which story. Uh, <laughs> Does someone nearly get stitches? Maybe not stitches, but <laughs> was there an incident in the surf? <laughs> but, uh, down at Phillip Island. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They, they <laughs> can we talk about this? <laughs> oh, I, I think so. It's all fresh now. It's, like, it's, it's all, all happened. It, it's everyone, all happened. Everyone still rode. Yeah. Yeah. No. Every everyone still rode. There was. Um, yeah, there was a there was a, a couple of near misses um, yep. with with surfboards and and people, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, thankfully there, there wasn't actually. Uh, I don't think there was a, there was a proper collision, but it was uh, it was, it was a near miss. It, 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 it was a very close near miss. So, wow. uh, so would have would have taken a little bit of explaining if um, oh, <laughs> yeah, because even like when when I got told that you're out surfing Wednesday or Thursday or yeah, it was just yep. before. 
I was like, really? Like, I, I thought everyone would be, you know, not wrapped in cotton wool, but fairly close to it. Fairly close to yeah. it. And that's... Um, Apart from padding koalas and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> doing doing the, the, the usual photo op, yeah. op, op shoots. Um, I kind of thought the same thing, yeah. but um, yeah, I think there's actually, there's quite a few guys out, um, you know, a few of the fair few of the riders out surfing and, and cool. um, yeah, so the couple of days leading um, where they don't really have too much practice or um, much to do, it's, you know, they're there a few days before the race starts, so um, perfect opportunity and, and yeah, it's sort of, it's good fun. So now we're, we kind of look forward to getting there earlier than, um, you know, it's the race is kind of the, the bit at the back end and it's mm. like, oh, it's all the, all the fun stuff beforehand sort of hanging out and, um, yeah, taking the guys surfing. Such a cool town. Cows is just one of the best. It's it's awesome. Yeah, like and you know I grew I grew up in Victoria and um, uh, you know never really went over to Phillip Island at all when I lived really? there. Really? Yep. yep. Just it was always just too far around the bay for me. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and um and yeah, looking back now, having been down there, it's like it's phenomenal. Oh, like, it's just beautiful. Great yeah. little great little stretch of the coast. And some of the surf, like on the back end of it, and some of the surf spots are. Yeah, second and none, really. Yeah, and and that was it. Um, you know, I was I surfed, started surfing when I was in Geelong. Um, you know, down on Surf Coast and and around there, and you know, we'd always talk about going over to Woolamai or somewhere to surf yep. there, but it was just always a bit too much of a mission for me. Mm. And um, and then yeah, having having gone there and surfed a few times now, um, sort of when the GP's on, it's it's like oh, I should have probably spent a bit this. more time exploring over this side. Um, so yeah, we'll, each year we'll try and get down there for a little bit longer. I think. Yeah, cool. One of the things I, I wanted to ask you at the start when we we're talking about surfing, how did you get into the surf stuff? Like, um, did, you, did you pick that up? Like, you play in AFL, which is sort of a funny yeah. Mix. Did you surf at that time? No, I didn't. So um, I sort of uh, I grew up in the country um, in Victoria. So yeah. uh, I was born in Geelong originally, and then um, and then we moved to to regional Vic. Mm. Um, Moved to Myrtleford, um, essentially, which is awesome dirt bike riding country. But Tim timber area, isn't it? Timber area, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. So lots of pine plantations, yep. lots of hills. So pretty <laughs> you know, grew up in, in dirt bike heaven. Yeah. And all I ever wanted to do was surf, but <laughs> never knew how to surf. It was, you know, four hours away from the surf. Um, you know, and then as it is, you know, now I look back and go, I wasn't a riding motorbikes when I was living in in, yeah. in um, motorbike motorbike heaven, but uh, yeah, I started surfing um, when I started uni. Um, I bought my first surfboard when I was twenty one. Yeah, right. So um, yeah, just had a, had a couple of mates at uni that that surfed and um, and they were keen and uh, keen to teach me. And I was I was always keen to to give it a go. And um, again, it was just one of those things that once you start, it gets into your blood and Accelerates. Yeah. Accelerates. Accelerates. Yeah, yep. yep, and becomes obsessive again. Yeah, I cool. guess it's part of part of my personality. <laughs> that's cool, mate. That's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. So sort of I, I guess I came into it came into surfing fairly late, but um yeah, it, it it became an obsession there for a while and it was um you know, I guess yeah, started surfing. Um it was only probably a couple of years after I'd started surfing that I started shaping the timber boards as well mm -hmm. um you know it was just trying to work out trying to piece it all together i guess you know how you know i wanted to understand more about 
surfing and how the boards functioned and and so you know that just kind of sort of led me into shaping and and um you know enjoyed surfing so much that um that i wanted to you know completely immerse myself into into every aspect of it and and you know to to shape your first surfboard ever and paddle it out and surf it and it works and it like that was that was just mind-blowing for me at the time like um you know i shaped my first timber board having never shaped a board before and um if i look back at it now it's probably it's a pretty average looking surfboard but <laughs> still floated it still floated and it worked and it functioned and mm-hmm. and you know for me that was that was just a, a sort of a whole catalyst for um for yeah getting um yeah getting sort of grown surfboards i guess off the ground and yep. and um you know fueling fueling that passion for what's it been now it's 20 odd years i guess it's, it's been yep so um yeah it's crazy mate <laughs> it is well where could where can we find uh what you're doing online on your socials what do you got uh so uh, at the moment um i've got grown surfboards which is um uh yeah so i think it's just grown surfboards on on insta is yep. is sort of my um my main thing for the for the timber boards and then um i guess the the latest venture is um the adventure garage which is which is on insta as well and um i guess the the whole theme for the adventure garage is just trying to tick off all the all the things that i that i enjoy so it's essentially landies motorbikes and surfboards um, and what, what like that's where we're at what 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 is it going to be like are you going to have you oh, know uh, functions here or what's, yeah, what's the plan yeah look it's um we kind of see it as a as being a, a bit of a um a bit of a toy shop like yeah, cool. <laughs> a uh, an adult's toy shop um like so, a, like one that does vehicles and stuff <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, no, look, I've, I've, uh, I've sort of pretty, pretty passionate with, um, with the Land Rovers and the, and the restoration, um, getting them up and running, but also, um, I've started bringing in some parts, um, for the cars. So I guess that's, that's the backbone of the business really is, um, is Land Rover accessories. Um, but yeah, essentially, um, it's, I kind of want it to uh, want it to evolve into that space where it, it can be used. You know, it's, it's a workshop to to be tinkering on on the cars, on customising some bikes, um, shaping boards, uh, planning the next stupid adventure idea that mm. that, that I come up with, um, and then yeah, just essentially at at the moment it's a, it's a bit of a spot where um, if someone's looking for me, they they come in here of a night and and we sit around and tinker on something and um and catch up it's a good place to be <laughs> really good place <laughs> to be not bad at all um we're in a bit of a holding pattern with event wise at the moment but uh any transmodos planned again yeah that's where i've seen you the last few times yeah obviously. last couple of times yep. um conondale yep. um i've done conondale you gonna do it again yeah yeah absolutely yep. so um pretty keen to do conondale um wouldn't mind trying to squeeze a, another transmodo in just yep. just don't know if i'm quite up for the uh for the eight hour um, one of the good things, probably uh, two years ago, might have been, must have been. I'd, um, I did Conondale just after I got back from Broome, so fresh, fresh yeah. riding fitness was through the roof, and it was it was one of the most enjoyable transmoters I've done. Really, like, um, yeah. yeah, it was it was really good. Unfortunately, you, you know, we go in the the three man team, 
um, I find that you know I tend to lose us a couple of spots. Uh, mate of mine, Fish, that, that rides with us, he regains a couple and holds the spots, and then we've got Rippo on board, who who you know Rippo as well. He tends to make ground up for us, and then. I come back in and lose us a couple more spots again. <laughs> <laughs> Rippo is like one of these dudes that, like I've known him for 20 plus years. He's good at everything that yep. he sort of touches. Yep. He's just, I don't know. He's, I don't know. He's it's frustrating, isn't it? <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like the nicest bloke in history. Yep. And he's just good at everything. Yeah. You know, and the yep. moto side of it, man, road, dirt, whatever. He's awesome. Oh, I haven't, haven't seen him on the hard. Uh, I've gone out for a couple of road rides with him. Yeah. Haven't seen him race on the road yet. But He's incredible. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. could imagine. Mm. He's really, yeah, just, just really naturally. Maybe he's not, he's worked at it maybe, but he's yep. worked at it, but he's just, yeah, good guy. He does everything he sort of touches, sort of turns yep. to somewhat gold. So <laughs> he's a good guy. So That's it. And and like for the, for us, that, that Transmoto, um, you know, uh, last year, last year yeah. we were there with Ben Munro and, mm. and did the ride for Luca. Um you know that was just awesome to get to get that many guys and and that many teams teams in and and riding around there that was that was incredible so you know looking forward to to getting out there and doing that again the thing with that the at the ride for luca part last year and that sort of group and i I think i said in the interview that i did for the ride for luca part is it's like you guys and hopefully myself include filming it was a bond sort of it's a real close group like the whole night the night before and that is like wow this is a yeah, we're here for a motorbike ride, but that's part of it. There's a real, yeah. There's more to it. It was really interesting. It that's it. It's um, that's it's kind of one of the things which I didn't expect. Um, is that there is such a such a close bond, like in the in the motorbike community. Mm. Um, you know, having not really grown up in it or or experienced it much. Um, yeah, you get to you get to an event like that, or you start riding. Um with those groups of guys and, and yeah, there's like that, that ride for Luca, um, you know, came together with, you know, Mel, Mel and Ben and, um, everyone that sort of helped pull all that together. Mm. And like, it's just phenomenal. Just a great bunch of guys and, and, you know, everyone was just there for, you know, supporting, supporting, um, Ben and Luca and, and, and the Munros and, but just, like it's just a great weekend. It's a great event. Those Transmoto events are so much fun mm. as it is. But um, to do it with a with so many groups of, of really good guys, like it's so yeah. I'm hopeful that um, when they get open again, that uh, we can, we can get one. back out there and, and so. go again. I think the the one that they just announced is that one that's pretty close to us here. I think there's a Clarence one or something. Yeah, that should yep. be cool. That, that looks really really good. That, sh- that should be um, that should be good fun. So, I think. Fingers crossed. Anyway, mate. But, that's, uh, that's We've it. done an hour. What are we on? Hour fifty. So that's gone pretty good. But, uh, I didn't think I could talk for that long. Well, mate, you said to me, oh, "I don't know if I, I don't know if I can talk." I'm like, "Man, you'll be sweet. You, you've done heaps of stuff." But uh, once again, thanks. Um, you got anything to say, <laughs> mate? I, I, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, thank you to you. But yep. um, I had to listen to. I mentioned to you before and listened to your first podcast um, that you did, and like I was blown away. I was actually. I was really nervous coming into this. I'm like, I, I can't talk like, you know, I've probably just waffled on for a couple of, for an hour and a half. But um, like the first one, it's like, oh, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> yeah, Brian was awesome. Like, there's no doubt, but you've killed it. Absolutely uh, killed awesome. it, mate. Thanks, mate. So, um, yeah. So once again, thanks to everyone for listening. And last week, the feedback that we got was awesome. So 
thank you to everyone. And um, yeah, we'll see you on the end of this episode. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you.